Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Trap Rock 101 podcast by Pirates and Poets. I am your host, John Burns, JB. Thank you for joining us. This episode features uh, an interview with my uh, long-lost uncle, a legend of Trap Rock, Mr. Brent Burns. Some people call him the grandfather of Trap Rock. Uh, I don't call him that. I just call him Uncle Brent. Um, this is the podcast, Trap Rock 101 where we are working to build a oral history of the trap rock genre, the trap rock community, um, talk to different artists and other people associated with the community, and just get them to talk about their history, uh, both before and after they discovered this wild, crazy, and dysfunctional family. Um, before we get to the interview with Brent, I do want to update you on some Pirates and Poets-related stuff. Uh, by the time you hear this, tickets for our Key West shows will be back on sale. We are super excited uh, we've got five shows in Key West this year at the First Flight <clears throat> Island Restaurant, located on the corner of uh, Caroline and Whitehead. We have four of our standard Pirates and Poets songwriter showcases featuring three artists performing in the round. Those uh, those shows, two on Thursday, October 29th, two on Friday, October 30th, will be hosted by Jerry Diaz, Eric Erdman, Donnie Brewer, and Kitty Stedman. Uh, then on Saturday, I'm super excited about Saturday. On Saturday, we will be hosting at First Flight Island Restaurant on Halloween night. The only full-blown drop-dead dangerous show happening in Key West this year. That's at 5 o'clock on Halloween evening. It all happens at the First Flight Island Restaurant. Find your tickets at piratesandpoets.net. Uh, unlike years past, you have to buy a ticket to come to these shows. Uh, you know, usually, we just sell some VIP tables. Then the rest of the uh, venue is uh open to the public free of charge because of social distancing to help the restaurant out with crowd control everyone has to buy a ticket this year but we have uh we have some pretty cheap ticket prices so check that out piratesandpoets.net if you have any questions send me an email i'm at jb at piratesandpoets.net so uh back to brent burns uh brent burns is a foundational member of the trap rock community he is often mentioned as someone who should be on the mount rushmore of trap rock uh he has been involved in the community since the mid-90s. Uh, this interview is its a really interesting interview. Uh, we talk about a lot of different things, including his connection to Gulf Shores. He has been going to Gulf Shores for a long, long time. He's lived there for a long time, but he's been uh, uh, visiting Gulf Shores both as a uh, just as a uh, tourist on vacation and as a working musician for almost his entire adult life. Um, we also talk about... Uh, Thongs in the Key of Life, which is a uh, compilation CD that was put together by Jim Hain. Uh, and we talk about how Thongs in the Key of Life uh, is, is really one of the, the most important things that ever happened to the trap rock community because it made all these different artists aware of each other. A lot of these artists like Jerry Diaz and Brent Burns and Jim Morris, they weren't really aware of each other until Jim Hain did the homework and put together the Thongs in the Key of Life compilation. So we talk about that. We talk about uh, Brent's connection to Nashville, his long, long history in the music business, uh, songwriting in Nashville. We talk about different events that he's played in the trap rock genre. We talk about uh, some of the tours he's done. And we talk about, you know, the relationships that form between uh, between Brent Burns and a Jerry Diaz and a Jim Morris and a Rob Mel. Those kinds of guys, the relationships they form over decades of working together, even though they only see each other a few times a year. So it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, I enjoy talking to Brent. And no, to the best of our knowledge, Brent and I are not related. But both of our families can be traced back to the same county in Arkansas. So maybe we are. I don't know. Anyway, uh, enjoy this conversation because I sure did. Uh, here we go. 
the grandfather of Trap Rock, Brent Burns. All right, so uh, back in Key West last November uh, during the Legend Show, you talked about, you know, kind of making Gulf Shores your full-time home and, and writing uh, the Living the Life Jimmy Buffett only wrote about and that song. But what I didn't know at the time, and you just told me before we started the interview, was you have a really long history in Gulf Shores going back to the early 70s. So I thought that'd be a fun place to start. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I was from Phoenix. I was playing in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I was working for a booking agency out of Los Angeles, working for Holiday Inns. And Holiday Inns uh, had a uh, Holiday Inn Gulf Shores uh, run by Topeka Inn Management, and they booked me in Gulf Shores. It's a beautiful gig. You're going to love it. You're on the beach. And I go, Alabama's got a beach. So I grabbed a map and on my Atlas map, didn't even show Gulf Shores, Alabama. It was so small at that time. But when I remember coming across down to the beach the first time, smelling that salt air and just, I fell in love with the area immediately. I mean, it was just not just the beach because it was, you know, there's hardly anything here, uh, but the people were just so dang nice. And, and, uh, and I started coming back every summer. Uh, and, and then eventually late in the seventies, I was here all summer long. You know, from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day, my family came down. We'd stay at the Holiday Inn, around the beach. And uh, I thought you'd say something about my helmet. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take it off then. Okay, okay. I'm trying to get a cheap laugh here. This is a, this is a podcast, but for those of you who can't see Brent, which is all oh, of you. What, what do I, I mean, I got to look at. I have to look at you doing this this thing unnecessarily. Don't don't take it off. Put it back on. I'm going to take a picture, and so okay. I can share you with my phone here. So, okay, okay, folks, uh, go go look at the website, the, the show notes, and you can see a picture of this bicycle helmet that Brent was wearing for some reason. I don't understand. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't understand me half the time anyway. So how could you understand me? You know. <laughs> anyway, so Gulf Shores was so much different back then. I mean, uh, it was, uh, we talked about Buffett being a regular down here. He was down here a lot. You know, he, he way before he had hits, and he didn't have any, his hits were not like number one, but they were big. But but he was such a a, a, a guy that everybody knew down here. He could, he could mingle around some locals and not be bothered, and he was down here a lot. I always missed him. It seemed like I would come into town to do a gig, and they'd say, you just missed Jimmy, you know, and oh, darn, you know. But we have, to this day, even we have a lot of mutual friends here that knowing from the old days, of course he doesn't come around as much as he used to, but he still comes around occasionally. But uh, anyway, it was a while. Gulf Shores was wide open back in those days, man. Uh, it was a, it was a, a hub for uh, illegal drugs coming in on shrimp boats. And uh, there was a lot of money flowing down here and it was still kind of quaint, but it was, uh, it was, it was an interesting time, you know? And uh, of course, hurricane um, Frederick in 79 changed everything. After that, they brought in condos and, Start building condos and it, the thing started to grow. Uh, but even by today's standards, it was nothing compared to now. But there was a few condos back after, after Frederick. Compared to now, there's condos everywhere. But it was a, it was a fun place to be. And, and I really loved the place and the people. And, and when I moved to uh, Nashville in 1980, I spent uh, six or seven months out of the year in Gulf Shores. I bought some property. So I'd come out here and play. And and uh, it was just, it's just a great, I still love it. The people are still nice and it's gotten huge and stuff, but uh, it's when you have live in a beautiful spot like this, you're going to get people, you know, and I don't blame them. I know, I know I love it. So why wouldn't they love it? You know? So 
And so I cut my teeth in the Holiday Inns uh, around the country. And, and, of course, back in those days down here, you know, one of my best friends down here back in those days was Kenny Stabler, who was playing with Oakland at that time. And uh, we hung out a lot together. And uh, he's just a great guy and died way too young. But, uh, you know, Richard Todd from the Jets came to live from had a place down here. It's a lot of celebrities would hang out here and stuff like that. And remember them all. There's so many mattresses and stuff, you know. But uh, it was a fun time. And I was young, and I was drinking a lot of tequila and beer and chasing skirts, which you, I know you know all about that, probably. I, I have plenty it's of experience vague, in the tequila department. It's a vague, a vague memory of me. I, I don't have a touch of tequila in years, but in those days, it was not unusual for me to drink a lot of shots uh, while on stage. And, and I had a cigarette in my hand, too. Of course, I haven't had one of those in my hand for you know a long time, since uh, 77. And but, uh, you were already uh, already writing and recording your own music. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. I actually started recording back in the 60s. I had a rock and roll band called The Grapes of Wrath. We had some regional success. I had a producer and a backer, had some regional success. And then uh, I got drafted in 68, and they, they went on to play for another four years with different member, different changing members and stuff. No, it was a really good group. Then it was a good group when I left. They brought in some good guys. And then uh, – then I, I got the service in '70 and and uh, started doing the one man band show, man. And and I've had a few a few bands since then, and bands are fun. But the single act for me has been you know my bread and butter, you know. So there you have it. Yeah, and moved uh, in and started right. You know, I was recording. I had uh, I, you probably don't know this. During the uh, '70s, I guess it was maybe '70s and '80s. I had you know I had like seven or eight billboard charted records, you know, uh, of different sorts, you know, as a producer, writer, uh, as artist, I had three or four as an artist. Yeah, and then did really great. You know, they were like more like, you know, 95 with an anchor as opposed to a bullet, you know, but they all charted, <laughs> they all charted. So it was, I was trying, even back living in Phoenix, Arizona, I was trying to, you know, write, produce, try to make some impact. And then, you know, I realized it's some point after 79, when I had that, uh, uh minor, uh, novelty hit, uh, well, it was from not behind did real well. It was in the top forty in the record world cash box and uh, Billboard. But it, I realized after that that I needed to be in a uh, somewhere like Nashville where it was really happening because uh, uh, it's hard when you're working out of Phoenix, Arizona to make an impact. So, but to Nashville. And uh, I guess this should be a good time to tell everybody about my uh, eBay success this afternoon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I sat down on the computer to do a little bit of uh, research and homework for this interview, and I, I remembered your song uh, "No Food, No Crude," or, or uh, that you that you had some pretty good success with. So I just googled it, and it brought me up to uh, eBay. So I bought a, a seven-inch promotional single of that song for ninety-nine cents this afternoon. Now, what I got to remind you of is that that was out in nineteen seventy-three. Okay, no crude, no food, which is the same subject matter of the hit song in 1979 called "Cheaper Crude or No More Food." The subject matter is very similar, but okay. the first, you know, we had a record deal and, and we got signed and and we put it out there and promoted it. We got a lot of airplay, but we didn't get the charts. I don't think we got any charts at all. But then in '79, of course, uh, Paul Harvey played uh, my. Uh, uh, you know, Lord of the Gas, Lord of the Boom, uh, cheaper crude, no more food, and 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 he he put it on the he put it on the map, you know, and uh, so uh, but yeah, that 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 thing there wasn't more than a thousand press probably, so that's a that's a, I don't even I don't think I have a copy of that myself. Maybe I'll uh, I'll have to gift you this one then. So 
I know if you find another one, buy it for me, because I've, I've got copies of most of my 45s, I think. You know, I recorded, oh man, I, rec- I recorded a lot back in those days. I had backers sometimes, sometimes I put my own money up, but but I always, you know, believe I just get, we got to keep trying, you know, keep trying. Yeah, I, I had to laugh when I saw that. I was like, 99 cents. I mean, the, the shipping was six bucks, but I was like, 99 cents, I, I cannot, I have to get this. So <laughs> I could re record it for that much. Six <laughs> No, it was a good, it was a good time. I had a good time recording in Phoenix, Arizona with some good people. But boy, Nashville, the players are off the charts. It's amazing. I love recording in Nashville. But uh, yeah. anyway, what's talk, talk about your time in Nashville a little bit? I've never heard you talk about that time much. Well, there in eighty, just literally, I had a real successful career in Phoenix, Arizona. And when I traveled, I made good money. And I, I was well known back there because Cheaper Crew was a you know I was in the front page of the newspaper. It was it was you know I was in. Featured in Billboard magazine, Newsweek, and Us magazine, and I was New York Times uh, did a feature article on me and on for the front page of the Sunday Entertainment section, and I mean, it was it was really well known. So people in Phoenix knew who I was, and I drew a good crowd there. But I just knew I wanted something more. And believe me, moving to Nashville for Phoenix was a heck of a culture shock for my family and my children. And but I just felt like I I didn't want to go to my grave wondering what if, you know. Uh, and I didn't have the successor I wanted to but for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I was glad I never been regretted going. I moved there in 80. You know, I, I wrote with some really good guys. I had a, a great, a great mentor of uh, a songwriter named Waylon Holyfield, who was uh, one of the great Nashville writers ever. And Waylon kind of, you know, brought me in full and taught me how to write songs and improve my songwriting. wrote with me some, we wrote a few songs together and I learned a lot from him. But my problem was, I had a family and a mortgage in Franklin, Tennessee, and I had to get on the road and make some money to make the mortgage payment. My wife at the time, my first wife, was in school full time and, and got ended up getting her doctorate. Uh, but I, it, I, to make to live well, I had to get out on the road. And if you're going to be a writer in Nashville and be successful, you have to stick around. You have to keep networking constantly, every day, writing every day. And I just wasn't able to pull that off. And but I learned a lot from the writers and met some really great people. I still do business with and record with and some of them I still write with and you know it was a great experience but uh, the whole time I was there I was playing in Gulf Shores you know and uh and and loving that you know so anyway it was, it was a great time in Nashville I left during about 92 uh got divorced that year and uh moved straight down here and uh she went back to Arizona where we lived we're from originally and I went to Gulf Shores where I wanted to live and and I think we're both happier for it it was uh it was good yeah. Uh, you moved to Gulf Shores, and mm-hmm. that's when you really kind of got into the whole. It wasn't called trop rock yet, but you started living the life, living the lifestyle. And- yeah, you know, I wasn't even, you know, I, I, I've been living the lifestyle for a long time, and I wasn't, you know, I'd, I was aware of Buffett, and I guess I'd heard of who, what Parrot Heads were, but I really didn't know. It was, you know, it was like I was living what I guess they were saying about, it, I don't know, but, but I, when I got to Gulf Shores in 92 full time, you know, I I was I feel like a full time resident before then, but you know, I was I'd gone through kind of a writer's block. You know, I hadn't written much the last two or three, four years and just was real frustrated by it all. You know, I was playing music, but I was just frustrated. I fact I got out of the got out of the music business for about three years and did speeches at colleges and universities. You probably didn't know that either. I, I took two years off and I just did lectures. I lectured at the universities at a lecture series called and slides called uh Vietnam and American Life in in the sixties. And uh, I did that for a couple of years, and it was okay, but I started missing the music. So I go to Gulf Shores in the 90s, and I'm, I'm banging around, 
you know, I'm single, I'm having fun, I'm drinking a lot, I'm not writing much. And, uh, and then I realized one day that I got to quit chasing a jukebox because you're in Nashville, you're trying to write a hit, okay? Always trying to write a hit. You're always chasing the jukebox. And I realized I'm going to start writing about my life here. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit trying to write a hit and write what I know. You know, that was about the beach. And so before I knew about Parrot Heads, or, I mean, I really didn't know much about that. And I wrote the, the songs, I did that first CD, which came out in 98. And, and uh, you know, it was a local, a really big hit because the Snowbird song was on there. And everybody loved that. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of people, we had like 140 stations playing Snowbird season. And we had about 140 stations playing Living a Life, thanks to a guy named Shadow Stevens who got behind my career for a, little, a brief time there and helped out a lot. But uh, I got a call. I really got a period. It was, I got a call from Jim Hain and he said, we're doing this charity thing called Fongs in the key of life. I never heard of Jim in my life. I didn't know anybody was doing that kind of music besides me. I swear it sounds naive on my part, but uh, I was, I was, I was a Buffett fan, but I only, I think I may have had one or two of his albums. I didn't, you know, I wasn't like a, a paired head at all. So I, you know, I, I um, Jim calls says, I'm doing this thing. And I'm going to put your song on there. I think he did uh, Vacation, I think it was. And I, I was skeptical at first. I said, let me think about it because, you know, I, I've been ripped off in Nashville a few times and, and other things too. So I, I'm always skeptical of this when I don't know in the music business, of course. Finally, I said, what do I got to lose? I'm down here not doing much. And so I said, okay. And uh, and he started tell me about these functions these paired heads have and how he would fly, fly or drive here and play these gigs and they pay you money for it, you know, good money for it. And I was like, really, my ears kind of perked up, you know, I said, then he sent me the CD and I got, and I'm, I'm hearing songs by a guy named Sonny Jim White and Jim Morris and John Reno. And, and I can't remember who else is on there. And I was like, well, crap, they're writing the same stuff I'm writing. And I didn't know those people existed out there. You know, I was like, like, wow. You know, and I just, I don't know, the, the, the light went on. I said, gosh, that's my, that's, that's my stuff right there. You know, it's the kind of stuff I write. So I kind of just saw, you know, like a, like a running back, I saw an opening, you know, and I just kind of took the ball and ran, you know, and uh, it worked out really good. And, uh, and so Jim kind of planted that seed with me, you know, and I was surprised there was another world out there. I didn't even know about, you know, yeah. and uh, it was, it was, ama- it was an amazing thing, you know, and, and, and I, but I kept drinking and chasing women though. But anyway, I did, that didn't slow <laughs> what I know, you know, it's living a life and neon tan and, and, uh, too lazy to work, too nervous to steal at first CD down in paradise, you know, it's just a, a labor of love. You know, I didn't have any idea, but I, that, that the success would come like it did. I really didn't. I just was having fun writing what I knew. So, yeah, I feel like Jim Hain and, and I think, you know, people certainly appreciate Jim as a songwriter and as a performer and everything, but I think he is underrated. He's a, he's a hero in some ways. In the fact mm-hmm. that he he was the person that connected you and Jerry Diaz and Sonny Jim, you know that that first and second generation of trap rockers, none of y'all knew about each other until Thongs. Now, Hero, I'm not sure he never took a bullet for me, so I don't know the Hero. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah, Jim's unreal as far as his his influence, I would say, on the trap rock movement and. and uh, now he brought people in like me. Then I, I can't remember. I think you heard about me on the radio. I guess probably a Shadow Stevens, uh, one of his shows, syndicated shows. I don't. I can't remember how you heard about me. But but he, you know, he wasn't afraid to draw other people in. Just like Jerry, he was the same way. You know, Jerry, he sees people, and he, he, he if he sees potential there, he brings them in. Like when he invited me to uh, uh, Party Golf the second year. I don't know what what year was that? The second year of Party Golf. 
The second year know. at Party Girl would have been about 98, 99, maybe 2000, See, somewhere in there. I was new to the genre. And I, I, when I went to Party Girl, I was just shocked. It was one of those, well, probably may have been one of the first, if not the first, you know, function like that I've been to. And I met people from Phoenix, Arizona. I read the Ferrellis and all that, the Flamingo Girls and, you know, and, and uh, Jim Morris. And, uh, I, you know, I met, met a lot of people there uh, that I did, was not aware of, you know, and, and they knew my stuff, you know. But and I sold a lot of CDs. You know, well, I had one at that time, but I, I sold a lot of CDs. But anyway, it was just a uh, Jim and Jerry are that way. They they really are embracing of other people and don't feel threatened by them. They just they want to help other people out. I tell you, found out about Donnie Brewer was through Jerry. You know, I was at party girl and Jerry said, "You hear this guy? He's riding around his motorhome and and he's really good." You know, and I listened. I said, "Man, he is good." You know, and next thing you know, Donnie's a a major player. You know, because and, and he's earned over a bit of it, man. He. Nobody works harder than Donnie Brewer, man. No, I used to work. I used to be a hard worker. Not no. so much now. You're, you know, you're getting up there. I mean, I call you my uncle for a reason. So, oh, not the age thing. I'm just getting lazy. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I am unemployed. I mean, the, I canceled all my road gigs, as you know, and uh, and I, I my local stuff dried up. So I actually renovated a house right now that I've owned for a long time. I'm going to sell it, but. I'm, I'm kind of selling all my real estate and get, I'm just simplifying my life. I want to travel and play music and uh, that's all I want to do. I want to, you know, I want to work on my book and a uh, book I'm work, working on. I want to write songs and I want to travel to work and I want to travel for pleasure because I love Europe as you know. And But right now you know, there's nowhere to go, you know, nobody wants to. So I guess I pretty much stuck home more or less, you know? Yeah. And, uh, in your case, I mean, uh, we're recording this on August twelfth. Uh, I'm getting, on, I am getting on a plane tomorrow and going to Trap Rock in the Ozarks uh, for the first full blown show I'm doing in six months. Yeah, yeah you, a lot of fun. You were supposed to be on that, but uh, but you uh, probably wise on your part decided to to not hit the road for that. You know, I don't tell anybody else what to do, but but you know, when it comes to decisions like that, and, and I had to cancel a lot of gigs, uh, and some canceled on me. Uh, it's just, I have to weigh risk and reward, you know, I mean, here's a, this much money and I risk maybe getting sick or, or, or t- going up there and, you know, we've had a terrible outbreak here. Now I'm socially distancing to, to a point of paranoia. I admit that, but, um, so I don't want to take anything out there either, you know, and, uh, and I, I, I know and love parrot heads and I know, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, a lot of them maybe wearing their masks and keeping social distance, but about 10 o'clock at night after a few cocktails, maybe a couple of rum drinks, uh, you know, the guard gets let down and they're not just pure kids, all people when they drink, they, they, they let the guards down a little bit. And, you know, and then when that happens, I, I would, I didn't want to be rude and say, you know, back off, you know, I, I just, cause I, I mean, I'm, I don't like to do that cause I'm, I like people so much and I, and when they're nice to me, I like to be nice back, but I just feel like I couldn't be there and be myself, you know? Yeah. So I regret it because I, I haven't played in a while. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I still have a guitar even. It might be one here somewhere, but but I, <laughs> have a, I have been writing some, you know, but when I'm not remodeling this house, well, I'm not remodeling it myself. I'm not driving nails, but I'm overseeing the project, you know. But um, I, I have, before I started that, I, I've been writing with Bill White and did some stuff on my own. And, and, uh, and I've been up to Nashville about two months ago and cut the first six sides of this next CD. So, I'm, you know, I'm being creative and, and uh, trying to use this time the first uh, quarantine during this, uh, March, I was worthless, man. I, I, I just sit on the couch and ate Oreos. I swear to God, I, I gained about 14 pounds. My blood pressure went up. I had to raise my medication. 
I was miserable. I was, I was depressed, you know, and then, then when I got busy, real busy again, I didn't complain anymore because I realized I'm happier when I'm overwhelmed than underwhelmed. I like being busy and I like to force myself to be busy. You know, I'm just happier when I've got lots of stuff going on. Yeah. That's, that's a common trait among a lot of us that, that, you know, do all these events and everything is we, we, we're not very good at sitting still. No. And I, you know, I miss the, I miss the music and I miss playing music, but I miss the people and the camaraderie and the jocular conversations. And uh, I miss all that. I'll be glad to get back to it, you know? So keep, 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 you know? Yep. Well, going, going back to Gulf Shores, um, you ended up landing a gig at Lulu's and, uh, it, you became an institution that Monday night show. So, yeah, but who wants talk, to be in an institution? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk about that a little bit, though. Uh, that was a long-running show for you. Get yeah. For you. I go back there in September. I did last year. But they, they, I, they, I, I take off the last two years uh, for the for like the, the kids' time, the family time, because mine's not really a family show. But And I do all original stuff. And, that, you know, the, the kids want to hear Brown Eyed Girl and Margarita Ville, and I don't do those songs. Uh Oh, they're great songs, but so um, I just, I've just talked to them. They're, they're going to let me know about starting back in September again, but yeah, I went to work there. Gosh, I think it's, this would be my 15th year. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I felt like I, I went in there and everybody was bugging the crap out of to play there at first, but I just went by and had a drink and watched. And, and one of the managers said, you know, you're Brent Burns. You know, come, you're not playing. Right. So, I don't know. They, nobody called, you know, I never called him. <laughs> he said, well, give me your phone number. So they called and, Book me, book me, and I did a couple of couple of weekday nights there, two or three of them, and and uh, they really liked what they heard. And it's back, this is back when when Mac and and uh, Lucy were there a lot, you know. And uh, they had a manager and J- Jason Newsom, really nice guy. And uh, after about three weeks, they said he said we're getting ready to revamp our uh, our schedule, and we want you to be a permanent fixture here. I'll give you any day of the week you want, you know. We like what you do what day do you want to play during the week? And I said, what's the slowest day of the week? He said, Monday. I said, I want Mondays. And he said, you got it. And it, we really established it to be a, one of the better nights of the week, you know, Monday nights. But, you know, it just, you know, consistency, I think, and people knowing Monday night I'll be there, it's paid off really good. And, and I'm not you, it's a great organization. Whether they hire me back or not, Lucy Buffett has treated me like a rock star and all the three or four managers I work for and all the, the – Help. Some of the help has been there since I've been there. And I just, you know, the people there are so nice. I mean, I can't say enough about Lucy and, and the way she treats her, me, but also the way she treats her help, you know, her people who work for her. She treats people with all people with respect. And, and I have a lot of respect for her. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. So it's, it's the most enjoyable bar kind of gig I've ever done. I mean, I always look forward to Monday nights at Lulu's. It's always been a big hoop, you know. So shout out to all the Buffett family. They've been good to me. Yeah, that was I not from the heart. From the heart. <laughs> I remember when uh when I first kind of got into this, I, you know, I would hear people that as they planned out their summer road trips or just road trips in general, they Monday night and go shores. And at first, I was like, "Why are you going to the beach on a Monday?" You know, <laughs> yeah, because they were planning out their trip from Texas to Florida or Florida to Texas or wherever to to hit that Brent Burns show at Lulu's on Monday night. Yep. And I get that a lot, and it's really flattering. 
Uh, and so many people I see once a year, you know, they walk in, I know I recognize them, but I'm not sure if they're from Texas, Oklahoma, or Arkansas, or if they're from Florida heading, go, going west. You know, I never know. But uh, And I'm really, really bad on names, you know, just awful, uh, which has not been good for my career because I'm really bad on names. But, you know, I'm just um, I'm old, I'm a D, and I think the whole world ought to be, there'll be a law that when you go out in public, you have to wear your first name on a big badge that everybody can read like me. It says John on it or, or Bob, you know, just the first <laughs> big letters where I don't get in an uncomfortable position with someone I should know their name, you know? So. Yeah. Those badges. At least you get that when you go to events, huh? Yeah. But the, I remember when we went to our first trip to Europe with Dana, it was in Ireland, I guess. And he did the badges. And I said, well, put their name on it. And he said, okay. And he did, but it was real small print. I said, Hey, next year, you're going to make big print for me. You know, this is a little print. I can't see that good. And, you know, I got, you know, 48 people on a bus, and, and half of them, I might know their names or a third. And the other ones I know by looking at them, but I'm just, I, I have a tr- trouble remembering their names sometimes. So by the end of the trip, I try to remember everybody's name. And, but uh, I'm just not good at that. But uh, those trips, those trips to Europe are just, oh my gosh, so much fun. So much fun. Let's let's talk about that because that's on my list of uh, things to discuss. That's that's kind of become a, a Brent Burns thing. It seems you're doing at least one, maybe two of those a year here. Yeah, yeah. Next year we we're, we know we had to cancel our Greece trip in September, but we're going to try to rebook the Greece trip in September, and then we have a trip uh, down the Danube River uh, in July. Last year we did the Rhine River, and boy, those river cruises are the coolest dang thing in the world, man. I mean, the food's great, the excursions are cool. Every, you know, you walk out, you, you look out, you went cabin door, there's just a river there and castles going by. You can go up on top deck and watch stuff. I mean, the food's great. It's just, it's, I love Europe and I like those river cruises. They're so relaxing. You can do as much as you want or as little as you want, but like, unlike a big boat cruise, you know, your, your room's, you know, a hundred yards away at the most or 50 yards away. So you got to go to the bathroom or want to take a nap. You just walk back to your room, you know, uh, take a drink with you, you know, whatever. We used to hang out, out you know, open the, 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 with the uh, balcony doors, go all the way down about waist high. So you can hang your head out at nighttime and look at the stars and drink some wine. And it's just, they're just, it's just great. Just great. So hope everybody's hearing this goes with us on one of our trips because you will not regret it. And see, uh, th- this year we got, well, hopefully Jerry Diaz is going to go back with us to Greece next year. That was our plan this year. And then uh, uh, Danube is going to be Bill White and Sonny Jim are going on the Danube cruise, uh, if all's well. You know, as again, we're, everything's kind of conditional these days, you know. Strange, but it's true. It, it is very true. How many, how many of those trips have you done now to Europe? Scotland, Ireland. Um, Italy, France, Danube. This was this. I think it's five now, five or six. Yeah. Cool. And uh, didn't didn't one of them kind of coincide with the Buffett Paris concerts? Yeah, we try to do that every year. We try to bump it up against Buffett. We did that in the uh, last two trips. Our, our trip with uh, to France last year with, with uh, Don Brewer, and a year before that with Italy. Uh, when I had uh, who, was, who was in Italy? Oh, Bill White was in Italy. The, but, but then then when we're in Paris. The Buffett week, he didn't play Fridays. So the last uh, two years, we've been doing a thing at a place called La Javelle, which is an outdoor, great outdoor venue. And uh, we they bring the PAM, and I come in with whoever's traveling abroad with musically. And uh, last year we had uh, – uh, <coughs> Donnie was there last year, and the guy from Landsharks, I'm sorry, um, Gary – what's Gary's last name? Oh, gosh, I'm yeah. sorry. That's – the Lance, the Lance Sharks guy was there, um, Gary Rowland, 
really good songwriter and really good performer. He played. Um, anyway, a, a lot of us got played and jammed. I think Colleen may have gotten jammed. And we just uh, had a, a really, just really good jam session. It was great. And first year, was probably 100 people there. And Gary Phillips was there. I was there. Who else was there? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, and we, we, we – uh, uh, we had about 300 just last year, so it's kind of become a thing. We're going to try to bump the grease thing up against it again or close to it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it makes it kind of cool because, man, you see people there that you haven't seen in a year, you see them in Paris. It's kind of cool to have a drink with a friend you haven't seen for a while on the streets of Paris. It's awful cool, you know. And I love Paris, man. It's just a, it's one of my favorite cities. It's fun. I'll get there one day, maybe. Well, I didn't start traveling. I was in my 50s. And I've been a lot since then, but uh, yeah, I'm like we went to Italy, but of course I've been to Italy I think five times before then. And but I had more more fun. I didn't know if I'd like the group trips because I'm kind of on on stage when I come out of my room because everybody's kind of counting me to show them a good time. But I found that I enjoy traveling with friends like that. I mean, I really like and the travel guides make you see a lot of stuff. And I'm guilty of going going to Paris and instead of going to a museum getting coffee about 10 o'clock and then, you know, for about an hour, I have a pastry and then I go back to the room and say, it's, it's some lunch and then have a glass of two of wine. And then it's a little late for the museum. It's almost happy hour. And, and so I end up sitting in cafes and, and, and just drinking and eating and just enjoying the scenery or maybe on the hop on hop off bus and don't see a lot of stuff, you know, but the group things, you see a lot of stuff and you get to see it with people that you like and, and that like your music. And it's, it's pretty special, pretty special. Cool. Well, hopefully you can get back on the uh, on the routine next year. I know Jerry yep. and Mary were excited Red. about Greece. Oh man, I, I want to go to Greece, man. That's been on my bucket list all my life. I want to see Greece all my life. Well, hopefully it'll happen in twenty twenty one. Want to go back? You you mentioned your first party girl. I, I have to mention that you are the uh, other than Jerry Diaz himself, the longest tenured artist in party girl history. Uh, that is an honor. I think you played twenty one of them. That's- I thought, well, I'll accept the first one. And I always tell Jerry, whenever, whenever he invites me, that I don't take it for granted. I just appreciate him thinking of me. And uh, it's it's just, you know, I've watched it go from the holiday in there on Royal and, and just grow. And, and, you know, every year is different. And it's just, it's, it's just a terrific uh, place to have it. And Jerry does a great job. And all the people who supporting group, a great job putting on a, a, just a terrific uh, event. And the great thing about New Orleans is it's a great city anyway to, to party in, and you don't have to drive anywhere. You know, you can walk. You don't have to get in your car, and you know, we're about drinking and driving. It's just, it's just, it's just set up. It tees up real nice for a function like this, and and uh, it's just, it's a. I'm not sure I'd want to live in New Orleans, but I sure I love to visit New Orleans, and I love the food and the, the culture and the and the architecture. It's beautiful. Yes, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, Party Girl happens in some small capacity. Uh, and uh, I've thought about, I was talking to somebody about that today. How, how are they going to pull that off? I said, I don't know. It, the, the venues are so small to start with there, you know. Right. Uh, a, lot, a lot of, everything's conditional these days, you know. It's a, it's hard to know what to do. I'm sure Jerry's in a quandary about, you know, uh, it's like trap off the Ozarks, you know. I'm just, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for everybody, you know, that uh, everybody's safe and and uh, that uh, uh, that's all I can do. Yeah. Everybody's got to make their own choices and, and do what they feel comfortable doing, you know. I just want everybody to be safe. Yeah, that's all we can try to do and hope for. So, I lost, besides, lost a good friend to COVID this week. Really oh. good. Old, 
And uh, he was uh, great. He was my banker for many years and just, just a wonderful part of the community, you know, and uh, it was, it's been sad to all of us, you know, but anyway, back, back to a happier note, man. All right. Back to happy stuff. Uh, um, besides party girl, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about other events and, and things like that, that you've enjoyed playing over the years, meeting of the minds or any, anything else that stands out to you. My meeting of the mind, you know, it's just uh, been been great through the years. It took me a long, quite a long time to get in there. My foot in that door, and I got I, I credit Billy Peoples, which I know a lot of people don't remember Billy, but Billy was a uh, really, really uh, well respected in the Parrothead world. He did a lot to promote the music, a lot, and he found someone that he liked, which he did like me and, and, uh, and liked the music I was doing. He would, he promoted the heck out of it and went to bat for me. Uh, first year I went to, uh, I think I just sit in at MOTM. I just went down there and sit in, uh, I forget who let me play in their spot, but, uh, and then next year I got my own slot. And then I've been every year, but one since then, uh, I think one year I wasn't, was not invited. I can't remember when it was, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember the year that, I remember the year that, uh, Jim Morris was not invited to party to a OTM. Everybody was just like outraged. And, and Jim was like, yeah, all right. You know, oh, yeah. He, and, and that was the year they used one of his songs as a theme. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. I didn't remember that. Oh, but, but to me, I mean, I didn't say anybody. I'm not political. I, I don't want to be political when it comes to period stuff. But, you know, I thought having a music, you know, MOTM is basically a music festival. I mean, if you suck the music out of that whole uh, uh, thing for the week, what would you have without the music? You know, you just have a bunch of people drinking, you know, so the music is so important to me. It's more of a music festival and to have a trop rock music festival. It wasn't called trop rock then, I'll think, but to have a trop rock music festival without Jim Morris being a part of it is, uh, I don't know, like having a, a chocolate fest without cocoa, you know, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it just seemed odd to me. I, that's, I, I didn't ever question anybody or, or complain about it. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. It's not like Jim Morris. I mean, he's, he was, he was top of the game but to me. One of the top two or three guys that, as a writer and performer and, and its fan base is, was great, big and loyal. Oh yeah. They were and rabid. No, no one had more to, they, they, you know, they're always, I would say Jim Morris fans and, and, and uh, were so fanatic for him that, when they came to my shows, they'd wear disguises because they didn't want anybody to tell him that they were at somebody else's show, you know, because he didn't feel that way. But, I mean, they were fanatically loyal to him, and rightfully so. He was great. But I, they did have a fanatical side of him that, like, you know, it was like, don't tell Jim I was at your show. <laughs> it was funny. But uh, he was a good guy. I remember the first time I met him in New Orleans, at, I think it was the Sixth Dream Music or Party Girl, and, and uh Sonny Jim introduced me to him, and he kind of blew me off. Not kind of. He just said, oh, nice to meet you, and walked away. I thought, I said to Jim, Sonny Jim, I said, he hates my guts. He says, no, 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 no. That's just Jim. Sometimes he's that way. Don't don't take it personal. <laughs> Sonny Jim was just, no, you're going to like this guy to get to know him. And I did, and I got to, you know, I, I did a cruise with Jim Morris and Ian Sharon, and we had a, we had a great time. Um, on, the, on the cruise and got to know him really well. We didn't talk real often. We 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 call each other once in a while, just chat about the business. And, and you know, it's funny when you have chat. When I get to chat with people that within the business that, that you know that I, I, you know, like Sonny Jam or Jim Morris or some other uh, guys, we we kind of talk openly about some of our little complaints about you know certain maybe individuals or certain things that we can't talk to anyone else about because right. you know what I'm saying. You just you know. It'd be like talking about the boss in front of him, you know. So we did, we they have private conversations and, and some chuckles at certain maybe certain people. Not you, John Boy. 
not you, but I'm, you know what I'm saying. We get to chuckle about someone who maybe inter- interrupted both our shows at some time or, or whatever it might be and talk openly about, you know, what a jerk they were or something, but which we would never do otherwise because they may be big fans and big supporters, you know, but we, it's just fun to have those conversations with, 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 with your friends within your own business, you know, yeah. little ins- behind the scenes information. Yeah, talking about Jim Morris and and really Jim Morris, the hardcore Jim Morris fans. Um, you know, there's a couple of people that that take they take swipes at TRMA because they're like, well, Jim Morris, you know, he only won one or two TRMA awards. Um, and I think a lot of that is is that his. You're right, it's a joke, but he had some fans, uh, you know, that they they kind of tolerated Sonny Jim, but beyond that, they did not care about you or Jerry Diaz or any, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, J- Jim had a, a, a loyal following, but he also, not all of his following were Parrot Heads either. He and I talked about that, that, you know, he was, uh, he wasn't anti-Parrot Head by any stretch of the imagination, but but he realized that a lot of his people were, were his fans first. And some were maybe Parrot Heads also, but they were his fans first. But he had, he had you know, he had a, a really good size following outside of the Parrot Head, parrot, you know, parrot head land, Parrot Head world. Uh, and, and I kind of do too, you know, I've got a lot of I do private parties every year for a lot of people who don't even know what a parrot it is, you know, that have been following my music for all these years. And, and some of them might say, why don't you even join a club? And, oh, no, no. and they, they may like me and they may be, a, some of them, I mean, a couple I played for in, uh, in uh, Kentucky, they were, they were uh, uh, big fans of mine and they still are. And they were, they knew Jim Morris and they knew Sonny Jim and they had a couple of their CDs. They were big tropical music fans, but they just didn't want to, they're not people who join clubs, you know, or go yeah. to functions. They're corporate people, and they, they you know they're busy in their own lives. So, um, but it's you know, I'm gonna because I've been was around before the Parrothead thing came to my attention. I, I had built a pretty good following up besides the Parrothead thing, which came later on. You know, so but it sure is a great world. I mean, if, if the people are really sweet to you, and 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 the Parrotheads are, and 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 they're loyal, man. They're, they like your music. They're like your music, and they're loyal to and and uh. And there's some, I tell you, the, the guy, other guys in the, in the genre, though, you know, uh, just, you know, Jerry and Sonny Jim and Tom Shepard and, and uh, Donnie. And I just, it goes on just really, you know, just some of the cool, they're just cool guys to be around when you're just hanging out and stuff like that. They're really authentic and they're kind of like, they're like real. They're, they're just like, they're not putting it on. They're just, that's who they are, you know. You're seeing the real thing when you see him live, you know. Maybe a little exaggerated. I mean, let Fram, more flamboyant for sure. But, but uh, it's a it's a great bunch of guys and girls. Hey, y'all! This is Kitty Stedman from Drop Dead Dangerous. I want to thank you for listening to Trop Rock One Hundred and One podcast with Pirates and Poets. Pirates and Poets is a crucial platform for independent artists and writers, and they have been working tirelessly to make sure that we make it through this difficult time. Please show them your support as well by visiting piratesandpoets.net slash store or piratesandpoets.net slash donate. Cheers, y'all. Yeah, and you had a, a pretty good stretch of uh, winning awards with oh, the yeah. RMA. So how many how many awards do you have? Uh, let me go. I, I, I count them every day. I, I want to polish them, but let me. <laughs> no, I, okay, Donnie Brewer. I, I think there's. No, Donnie has a, a he car- Donnie carries them in his van to show them off. He has have them lit up and on the van they, they flash and he so opens up the back of the, his motorhome. He shows them his his TRMA, but but yeah, I think I've got ten. 
think it's the last time we counted uh, something like that. But, but I think you've got I, more than that. I, no, I think it's it. I think it's ten. But uh, but I've been nominated a lot. But you know, I'm just not. I'm not working my career like I did. You know, that's by design. I I was getting ready to. Before my lovely uh, wife Pam passed away, I was getting ready to semi-retire. I mean, I'm going to quit playing all together, but but uh, she was going to quit working, and uh, uh, we were going to just uh, do more traveling, and, and I was going to keep playing, but part-time. And then when she, she passed away, you know, after, you know, wandering in the wilderness for a few months, I realized that uh, I just was happier playing music and, and got back in it full-time, but but not with the the – the, the fire to belly I'd had, you know, when I was, when those TRMAs, I was really working my butt off on the road. And, and a lot of that has to do with the guys that travel a lot, and promote a lot, you know, and uh, uh, I'm not doing so much of that anymore. I mean, I care about uh, my music greatly and I, I take it both serious, but uh, as far as awards, it's great. If I get nominated, I'm always thrilled just to be nominated with that group of people. And if I have to win some someday, which, Probably doubtful, but if I did, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. You know, I'd love to put eleven in that uh, little case over there that I'm sitting next to. So, it's, uh, it's I, think been a, you, been a, I think you might have one or two left in you. So, you know, I'm I'm good either way, man. It's a, it's a great uh, great genre and the people. You know, just it's just it's kind of like a lot of things. You know, you go through spans where people have their popularity, whether it be actors or or, or singers have their hits, and then maybe they, they still have a good fan base, but they may not have the number one songs anymore. I mean, I win a lot of Grammys or stuff anymore. But you know, I, I, you know, if I do, I do. If I don't, I'm 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 just I like to see the young guys do well too. You know, I mean, I, they they deserve they work they're working harder than I am. A lot of them are. So why shouldn't they be getting the awards? You know, yeah, they're doing a good. Job. Speaking of awards, um, there is a event in Panama City that's named after one of your songs, and I would think that, that in some ways that is, is a bit of an award. Well, no, there is a story, backstory to that, by the way. <laughs> it used to be called Parrothead Rendezvous. Uh, they, they, they called me, this was years ago, uh, Patty Fritchie was in charge, and she's been out of it for a long time. And they said, we want to call this new event Parrothead Rendezvous. How do you feel? I said, that's fine. Yeah, of course. I may have, may have signed paperwork saying it's fine. Well, and you know, for the first few years, I was always invited to the Parrothead Rendezvous because I wrote the song. And then they, <laughs> and then they quit inviting me, and they changed it to just rendezvous, <laughs> which they didn't have to do that. I, you know, I, you know, James and I have talked about this many times, and some of the other guys, Jerry said, if I get invited to an event, I'm always flattered and thrilled. Yeah, but if I don't, I don't, I don't just don't take it personal. You know, I've got as much work as I need. So, and I, but I played pretty, I played rendezvous about two years ago, and I had a great time. But I didn't play last year, but. Uh, uh, or a year before, I can't remember. But, you know, when they invite me, I'm thrilled. If they don't, I, I understand everybody is, there's a lot of younger guys that are beating their door down, you know, to play these things. So they're trying to get known out there, you know, and and I, some of them I think are working cheap to where they can get their foot in the door, and that's okay too. I mean, I just, uh, I get all the work I want, and when I get it, I'm thrilled. If, if someone doesn't invite me, I don't I don't take it personal at all, man. I just uh, I just uh, figure they want somebody worse than me, and that's okay too. It, uh, they're all my friends, so. You yeah. know what? I didn't know that they had officially dropped the Parrothead part. I, I thought, you know, Rendezvous was just, you know, everybody everybody shortens things. So I just, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they changed it to Rendezvous. But that's, they didn't have to do that, but I think, I, I don't know. I guess they were, they felt uncomfortable me, me not being invited and calling it that, but it wouldn't have bothered me. If they called me out, I said, that's fine, you know. But, you know, it's okay. It's still the Rendezvous. And, and, and the fact that you know where the original name was, it's good enough for me, you know. 
Let's talk about your buddy, Bill White. I know you do a lot of writing with him and performing with him. him. Yeah. Well, that's one of the greatest guys on the planet. I, tell you, the, uh, I met him, gosh, back in early 2000, 2001 or two. And I was introduced by a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dean Bramer, who used to be in a booking agent in Nashville and has known Bill since he was a kid playing in uh, you know, country bands and, and he was, took him to Nashville and tried to get him, you know, sign a, to sign a deal. And anyway, she was early in his career before he got full time in radio. But Bill, you know, kept playing music, but he got into radio years, you know, 100 years ago. And I guess it was five years ago. Uh, and he, he, he played, he was at WSM in Nashville. He was at uh, uh, the big station in Cincinnati. It's been in Milwaukee, Portland. But he's, he, he was, top, you know, top echelon uh, country disc jockey, morning drive. And he was inducted into the uh, Country Broadcasters Hall of Fame about five years ago. And uh, he, he, that's, that's an upper echelon of, of, of guys with Ralph Emery and guys like that. He's, he was top in his field, but he lost his mind one day and decided to get into songwriting full-time. He's always been a writer, but he uh, retired, and he's been writing songs in Nashville the last few years, and he's not only a great, become a great songwriter, and he's, he's got a, a publishing deal now, but he's my greatest friend. He's my, he watches my back in the studio, and we write together only on, online now, but uh, and he, he goes to the studio with me and, you know, kiss, kiss keeps an eye on things for me, you know, because I miss stuff. And uh, he's just a great guy. I mean, he's just so he's – he's a most motivated, hardworking songwriter I've ever seen. He war- writes all the time. He's always working social media. He's really an inspiration and uh, just a good – and he's a good person, man. He, too, what, he helps people out whenever he can and, and uh, he helps my limpy butt around too and helps push me a little bit to do things that maybe out of my comfort zone sometimes that, that I should be doing in my career. But he's a, he's a great guy. And uh, have you met him before? You met him I- at uh, – Party girl, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, and you know, he's funny on stage. He's, he's, you know, he, there's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's, he's really fast on his feet. He and I talk almost every day, and we're, it never fails. I mean, we're we're making each other crack. We're cracking each other up. It's a constant picking on each other about every little thing, you know. And uh, it's 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 like a comedy routine every time we get on the phone. It's 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 a scream. Funny guy. Don't tell him I said any of these nice things about okay. him. Because his it, head's it's bigger than a watermelon now, so I don't want to up anymore, you know. As long as he doesn't listen to this podcast, it'll be our, our secret. So <laughs> anyway, that's um, off the bill. What uh, where the the comedy aspect uh to, to your music, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. going back to, to some of the, the novelty songs like the crude song and everything, it's mm-hmm. it's something that I guess that's always been a part of your your career. Yeah. Into always creep creep back in, and I kept avoiding. I wonder. I wanted to be a, at the, during the seventies and eighties. I wanted to be a, thought of as a serious artist, you know, and 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 most of my successes came from funny stuff. And I finally somewhere I don't know, probably back in probably not until uh, I started writing what I wanted to write. Uh, I realized that it's it's something I'm fairly good at, you know. Uh, you know, I had a record out called "I Think I Run for President" after Cheap Recruit, which was a novelty song, and you know, I, I realized I'm pretty good at this, and 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 there's a lot of great writers that cannot write funny songs. You know, they they try, and and you can tell they're just trying when you hear it. But uh, but uh, I just I don't know. It just seemed to be a natural thing for me. And doing comedy on stage has always been something that just ever since I started playing music in the '70s, I always was 
fairly good at situational comedy, what was going on in the room at the time, you know, and observing things and making light of them and uh, maybe myself even if something went wrong. And, and, you know, and then when I met Bill, Bill White, you know, in early 2000, we, we, we just started writing stuff and he's a funny, funny writer too. And we just, you know, we don't always write funny stuff, but uh, uh, we certainly, I think we're fairly adept at, at doing that, you know, uh, we just both, Bill's got a great sense of timing in, in comedy and, and, uh, He's just, he's just really good. And, and, you know, we, we, we crack ourselves, we write funny stuff. We crack ourselves up pretty, pretty good. You know, <laughs> we, we find ourselves very amusing at times, you know, but and, if I like people make, when you make people laugh on stage, it's a great, it's the biggest rush in the world to tell a joke or make up a joke or something. And people laugh. Sometimes it's an old joke. Uh, when they laugh, it's, it's, it's a rush. It's a wonderful rush to watch people laugh and smile. It's a great feeling. And uh, how do you feel about the fact that you and Matt Hoggett are basically the same person, just a generation apart? <laughs> Man, Matt, Matt is, you know, if he's not outside the box, Bill, Bill White and I love Matt, by the way. We both agree he is unique. I mean, Matt Hoggett is a, a unique, funny, funny guy. He, he, he Just everything about him is hilarious, you know. Uh, and uh, he cracks me up. and He cracks Bill up, too. I mean, he is <laughs> I really, I really like Matt. And, and, you know, again, what, what could there be a nicer guy in the whole world than Matt Hoggett? I mean, you know, law enforcement, just a straight arrow family man. And, but man, he has got a gift of humor and he cracks me up. Uh, a couple of times we play with, with Bill White. We just, it's, it's a, it's a comedy fest for sure. Matt's, he's great. He's great. Yeah. The first time uh, we put you two together on the, the songwriter Sunday at Party Girl, uh, like we didn't really think about it. You know, Jerry was just like, what do you think about this? And I was like, sure. Yeah. And then like, you know, we're sound checking you guys. And, and one of y'all said something and the other one just fired right back. And Jerry and I looked at each other and we were like, oh, my God, what have we done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Matt. It's funny. You know, that first year I played with Matt, I think I never, never played before. I did uh, Bill White one year. I did Ugly Early. And he goes. With me he says, did you really write that song? Because he'd heard it before somewhere on the radio, I guess. When you know, they see Jeff record it, and he got some airplay, you know, and sold quite a few records. But he, he'd heard the song, that just didn't realize it. You know, we'd written it, so uh, that was a fun moment for me. But uh, no, Matt's fun. He's fun to play with, man. He's a he's a very unique talent, and you know, uh, the, the, and and rock. There's you know a lot of there's a lot of same old same old. You know that, but Matt's unique, very unique, and, and very very talented, man. He is uh, that. So, well, I think I've just about uh, got through all my questions. Is there any anything you just kind of want to touch on? Anything that you want to? Trop rock related? No, gosh. There's so many people I think about in the early days, you know. You ever heard of the name Mark Northy? Dude, I, you know what? I think that that might have been the very first artist that I ever hired for a function when I was a president of a Paraday Club. He's, he's, he was, he's, he's, he's deceased. He'd been dead for many years, but you know, he's one of the guys I found out about early on. He traveled down to Florida in, in the uh, summertime or the wintertime and fled North in the summertime. And I mean, there's a lot of guys like that, that, that have kind of come and gone, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, the, the Billy peoples of this world and, and guys that helped me out early on, they've kind of either passed on or have kind of got Billy's still doing great up in Georgia, he and buddy, but you know, they're in their eighties, the middle eighties now. So, uh, they're, you know, they're not out, traveling around stuff like that but you know the people dale and peach hinch and people like that that were around me early on i got to know and there's just so many guys uh, uh 
I could sit here and name a bunch of them if I had time or the good enough memory. But you know, this it, it goes way back. The roots kind of they, they the tentacles of trop rock go back before it was called trop rock, as you well know, golf and western. And and I remember hearing uh, Key West the band at the Shrimp Festival before I ever met Jerry Diaz. You know, and that goes. I don't know when that was. That way a long time ago. You know, probably and, in the nineties. Uh, yeah. 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 So. Uh, so, you know, it just it goes way back, you know, and the tentacles of that go by, way back, and uh, it's interesting. And uh, it's been a really good thing for me, and, and, uh, and, and not, living a life's been out since 98, and the Snowbird song and living a life still get, I get requests from every night, Aloha Betty. So, you know, th- th- this, those songs have had pretty good legs, you know. I'd say so, because, yeah, it's, people are still requesting them, and, and they're still getting played all a yeah. long, long time later. So, well, I always end these with a, uh, a, ra- a series of rapid-fire questions. So are you ready? Yes. Is this like, like on TV on, like, Firing Line or something like that? It's, it's, not, it's not that intense, no. Is, it, is, there, is there a prize at the end or any kind of money involved here? No prize, no money, but you, if, you, if you answer them correctly, I'll let you put your helmet back on. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. What is your favorite Jimmy Buffett song? Uh, uh, cheeseburger. No. Really? Pistol Thin Mustache. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Uh, martini. Nice. Slight, dry, slightly dirty. Okay. Kenny Chesney or Bob Marley? Pardon me? Ken, Kenny Chesney or Bob Marley? Bob Marley. What is your favorite trap rock song by an independent artist besides yourself? Uh, gosh, uh, research, Sunny Jim. That's a good one. Favorite beach besides Gulf Shores? Ooh, okay. Uh, Venice Beach. Where Sunny Jim, isn't that where Sunny Jim lives? Mm-hmm. Or real close yeah. to it? Yeah. Illinois Woods. Bunch of people that live down there. Yeah. Uh, what is a book that you enjoy that you think everyone else should go check out? The Bible. <laughs> I'm just, I, I do read it every day. Oh no. Okay. What, what, what book? I, I'm not a big reader. So, you know, I like the ones with, with pictures in large print. Okay. So comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's the, here's oh, the yeah. big, here's the go big ahead. question. If you were okay. g- going to create a Mount Rushmore of trap rock artists, what okay. four faces would you put on it? Uh, Jim Morris, Jerry Diaz, um, Sonny Jim, uh, gosh, uh, who would I, I leave out here? Crap. Some one of the old timers. Oh, I don't know. I would, I would put, I would leave that one to be uh, a player to be named later. <laughs> to be named later. Yes. To be determined. Okay. And uh, if you were going to add one more person to Mount, Mount Rushmore, a non-musician, somebody from the community that does a lot, who would that person be? Uh, Peg Wright. Ooh, Miss P. Been around a long time. Someone, again, who has been a part of this for a long time. And who, who has put up so many musicians. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, her and John are just yeah. Well, and there, you know, it's not it's not just him. I could, just, uh, I could have pulled probably a th- uh, fifty names out of the hat and been correct in calling him, uh, a, a, you know, 
I've been around Mount Rushmore for Trop Rock because there's so many people. I mean, it's, this this whole thing, I, I must say, if I've got time, is all based on volunteerism. People that volunteer their homes, their lot for lodging, they treat you like a king. They come to your shows, they buy your stuff, and it's just it's a small genre, but the people are so much make it what it is by their spirit of, of helping and volunteering. And, and, and I couldn't have done what I've done. It's been enjoyable without those people. And there's lots of them out there. Thank you to all of them. Well said. And uncle Brent, I look forward to the day when we get to uh, hang out in person. Hopefully it happens pretty soon. And, and next time I see it, like last time you wanted to slow dance, no more of that crap. Okay. Don't even okay. ask. Jitterbug. Okay, maybe Jennifer. <laughs> All right, Brett. Thank you, man. Okay, buddy. Thank you, cuz.